Insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment. This is episode 14 Legends and Dark Nights. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and my lovely and somewhat exhausted co-host, Michelle Whalen. Well, hi, everyone. And how are you doing today, Michelle? I'm exhausted. And why are you exhausted today? I am exhausted today because this morning I participated in the uh, American Heart Association Heart Walk down in Ocean City, New Jersey. Congratulations with, uh, to you for that. With uh, some of my co-workers. They've been doing it for a, a number of years now. And for some reason, I don't know why we never decided to go down, but this year we, we did. You have the option of doing a one and a half mile, three mile, or five mile. And I did five. <laughs> well, <laughs> so. and, and a worthy cause. Oh, absolutely. Um and it was a good time. I think we all had fun. Oh, definitely. The weather was beautiful. We couldn't have asked for a, a better day. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. Let's briefly run down what we're going to talk about sure. today. So in our Disney Detective segment, we have some information from uh, D23 regarding the legends they're going to be honoring this year. Then Disney is doing uh, or did do a sneak peek of some scenes from Toy Story 4 we'll talk about. Then some news from the firefighters at Disney World and some issues they're encountering. Uh, then we'll take a brief moment to pay tribute to a few uh, well-known members of the entertainment industry that we lost this week. Uh, then in our entertainment news, uh, we have some information on the new Batman. And then we'll move into our insightful picks of the week. Are we ready? Sure. Let's get to it. Go for Disney Detective. So, first off, they announced uh, for D23, which is, for those that are not in the know, D23 is a Disney fan fan club that they started a couple of years ago. You get, you know, you can pay a membership, but one of the, the big things that they offer is every two years they do a big expo out in Anaheim. It's one of those things I've always wanted to go to, but by the time we think about it, something else <laughs> comes up, and we've never done it, um, unfortunately. But it's a big three, four-day weekend expo. Basically, if you're a Disney person, you know, a Disney fan to the extreme, this is where you, you want to go. Um, so information usually comes out, usually about the parks and um, you know, the movies and television things, you know, it's kind of like my version of 
Star Wars celebration for you. Here, right. Here's all the news that, and that, that comes out. that was where we first heard about the news about the Star Wars land. Absolutely, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So a lot of good stuff comes out. Um, one of the things that they've been doing the last couple of years is they do a Disney Legends, sort of a class of, you know, whatever year. And they pick people from various areas that have done Disney work in, in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes they're actors, sometimes they're writers, producers. Imagineers. Imagineers, even. Um, so they announced the the cast uh, or uh, the the class, I should say, for uh, this year, some some names didn't sound familiar. Others obviously popped out. I might butcher some of the, some of the names: um, Wing Chow, uh, Robert Downey Jr., John Favreau, James Earl Jones, Bette Midler, Kenny Ortega, Bartnett Ritchie, Robin Roberts, Diane Sawyer. Uh, Ming-Na Wei, and Han Zimmer. So they will all be uh, in attendance at D23 and getting inducted into the the Disney Legends. Very cool. Yeah, so that that's always interesting to, to see. You know, and there'll be YouTube videos, obviously, uh, of it as it comes along. So that was kind of cool to, to hear the, the list of uh, people being nominated for that, so... That was kind of cool. Very cool. Yeah. So another thing in Disney news that I saw is that Disney is going to be doing some sneak peeks of different scenes from Toy Story 4. Um, What they're going to do is at the different parks, they're going to have a little theater set up. And they've done this before with other movies and things where they'll do like a a little 15-minute show giving you little previews that you haven't seen yet of the movie. So uh, starting... May 24th, Disneyland, they're going to be doing the premiere at the Tomorrowland Theater. Um, Disney's Hollywood Studio will also be doing it that day as part of the Walt Disney Presents attraction. So when you go through the Walt Disney Presents, you get to the end, hey, here's a preview of some of the uh, scenes. Even guests that will be on the Disney Cruise Line will be able to see... Uh, guests on the cruise line will even be able to catch some of these clips as well. Um, Disneyland Paris is even going to uh, be doing uh, this as well, because I guess they've never really done all all parks and locations. So that clip was <laughs> a little clip of uh, one of the actors who is going to be playing Forky, um, in the movie. So basically, if you remember where Toy Story 3 ended, Bonnie kind of got all the toys from Andy. Right. Um, she's going to, to preschool. She makes this toy. He thinks, you know, he knows he's a fork. He thinks he's disposable, and but no, she keeps playing with him. So basically, a lot of the storyline revolves around him and being saved. And the toys go out on an adventure, and we get to see Bo Peep, who she's been absent because right. she kind of went her own way. So there's a lot of stuff between Woody and Bo Peep and kind of finding each other again. Um, so this will be cute to, to see, you know, if you happen to be in the parks during this time, here's a chance to, to see some, some sneak peeks at it. And for everybody else in the U.S., Toy Story will be opening on June 21st. Very cool. 
So in other Disney news, kind of going the way of what we reported about, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Disneyland Paris having the issues with some of the workers, um, an article came out um, from one of the local papers down in Orlando saying that the Disney, uh, Disney World firefighters are feeling very stretched thin, that with all the new attractions opening up, that... You know, they haven't really hired anybody new, and there's just so much more work going on now. So you have a whole bunch of stuff coming to the resort area. So they have the gondolas that are are going up. Um, You have the Star Wars-themed land, and then you have a whole bunch of new resorts that are opening up as well. So there's all this stuff, all these expansions, and the size of the fire department is still as small as it is. So they're asking, you know, the the spokesman said, you know, they're asking us to do more, but with less. So obviously safety is their number one concern They're, you know, and that's their focus of of everything. But they need to try and negotiate, obviously, to to be able to hire more staff. Are they unionized down there? Yes, they are union down there. So now they're trying to to work something out, you know, to be able to, to get some more people because, you know, they realize if something unfortunate happens, they're just not going to have the manpower to, yeah, to well, do it. Yeah, and you have to figure, even with, like, like the gondolas, for instance, mm-hmm. they have to have some kind of oh, yeah. uh, means, you know. I mean, to be able to it's a get. Different, right, it's a, right. It's a completely different attraction. They right. probably don't have the equipment for it. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, you know as well as I do that the infrastructure down there mm-hmm. to support Disney World is like the infrastructure of a city. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and just like with a city, if you don't support and keep uh, up with your infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know everything else built on top of that. Right. Crumbles. So hopefully this will be something that they'll look at. Okay, we're doing all this, this, and this. This is the next step that we that we need to take. So. Do you have any idea if uh, outside of the Fire department, there's two fire departments in Disney, is there not? As far as I know, it's just the one, the Reedy Creek. But do they t- they have two firehouses, though, right? Oh, I think that, yes, I think they have two firehouses. So it's Reedy Creek is the, is the fire district that they're right. in. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming if there's any kind of real issues that neighboring fire districts oh, I'm will sure. support them. Oh, I'm now. sure. Just like when they, they need security, you, you would see the local you know police officers. Right, right. Because they have security. Too. They don't have their right. own police, though. Right, right. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And I'm sure, you know, Disney's smart enough that they're not going to compromise mm-hmm. safety. Absolutely. Resort yeah. safety. And that was it for Disney Detectives? That's it for Disney Detectives. Okay. So we did have a few losses uh, of members of the entertainment industry mm-hmm. this week. Uh, I will let you conduct the uh, in memoriam segment here, dear. Sure. So the first um, was Doris Day, who passed away on uh, May 13th. Her birthday actually had just passed not that long ago, uh, April 3rd. Um, and she died at the age of 97, so not... That's, that's a good life there. Yeah, that that's not too too bad at all. Um, she began her career as actually a big band singer back in 1939 and had a bunch of various hits with different, uh, different groups and, and stuff. But she actually recorded more than 650 songs between 19... 19- 
1947 and 1967. Wow. So she obviously had a, you know, a lot of people know her from her films, various films where, you know, she was a co-star, leading lady, and obviously best known for working with Rock Hudson in numerous movies and obviously towards her later life when the AIDS epidemic and, and everything came to light, she became an advocate. Yeah. For it, um, she stopped working uh, or doing movies, you know, in in the eighties, and uh, but still was active in the community. Um, was a big time animal advocate as well, and just had a really long and fruitful career. Various awards: the Presidential Medal of Freedom in two thousand and four, two thousand eleven. Uh, the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Career Achievement Award. So lots of lot lots of uh, achievements throughout her her career. So again, passed away at ninety seven, um, and then just the next day, a very funny comedic actor, yeah. uh, Tim Conway, uh, passed away at the age of eighty five. And obviously, most people know him for his work on The Carol Burnett Show or the movies from the 70s and early 80s that he did with Don Knotts. Um, but he actually started out on McHale's Navy. Yes, he That's did. where a lot of people uh, knew him from. And for some of our younger people, he actually did the voice of Barnacle Boy on SpongeBob. Along with uh, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. Right. Who played his counterpart. Um, what was Barnacle Boy's? Uh, who was <laughs> the hero associated with? I can't think of it now. I can't think of it. We need we need the 12-year-old. We, we need to call, yeah, we yeah, need the to call her the, in for it. But the two the, of them were teamed up on SpongeBob. Right, right. So I thought, you know, that was, that was uh, kind of sweet. And, again, he won six primetime Emmys during his career, um, and four of them were while he was on the Carol Burnett show. I know there had been different health issues with him and there had been some custody issues. Yeah. yeah he you had, know, he with, had some issues later in life there. And I gotta I have to say that, you know, Mikhail's Navy and the Carol Burnett show, mm -hmm. as dorky as this probably sounds, but they're like two of my guilty pleasures mm -hmm. there. Oh, absolutely. Um, I can't help but I mean he was hilarious. Oh um, it, you know, and, and him and, and, and Harvey Corman together. And the funniest part was always when they broke character. Exactly. They, they kept making each other laugh. Right. You know, it was you just, know, so it was just I'm just gonna stare at you until you break. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that and that was always, you know, the improvisational was really yeah, that yeah. that's Just what it was. Comedic genius there. Yeah, so you know, very, very sad to to hear about that. And not to <laughs> to put her with these two legends, but obviously there was another death in the world of entertainment and that was Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat was an internet celebrity with a piercing look of contempt, and she died at the ripe old age of seven. Which isn't that old for a cat, Which though. isn't that old, but um, she did actually have a uh, dwarfism. A cat dwarfism, A yeah. cat dwarfism, uh, which actually um, gave her that look, that scowl. So she really wasn't as grumpy as everyone right. thought she was. Yeah, her, her her owners, you know, had had quoted multiple times saying that she's super cute and cuddly and just loves to be held and rubbed, and she's really not as grumpy 
as everybody thinks. Her actual name, for those that don't know, was actually Tartar Sauce. Tartar Sauce. Nice. <laughs> I was going to say, we really can't say anything because of, you know, our, our cat's names. That's true. Um, and she was from Arizona, and she died of complications that arose from a urinary tract infection, unfortunately. And Which, you know, we can sympathize with our, our We had a cat. cat who had some urinary issues, and that might have actually been, you know, we when our one cat passed away, that probably could have been, you know, what it was that, that she yeah. had checked. And obviously there were, you know, a lot of people around the world that were very sad, uh, you know, about that. And basically she came to fame kind of, you know, as a fluke. They, you know, somebody had posted a picture of her and then everybody just started doing all these different memes with her picture. And the the most famous one was, I had fun once. It was awful. <laughs> So she was actually named the meme of the year in 2013 at the Webby Awards, beating out Gangnam Style and Harlem Shake. Wow. Um, so when you think back to, <laughs> to to that, Grumpy Cat still was relevant. You right. know, she uh, she had uh, over 900 items on her in her official store that were available. Uh, she did different advertisements for hun- between Honey Nut Cheerios. She became the spokes cat for Frisky's cat food. Yep. And obviously one of our little guilty pleasures is the Lifetime Christmas movie, Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. Um, yeah. That's, that's a great one that's brought out around the holidays. That's, you know, you just, you know, and, and I, I, I have two stuffed grumpy cats, you know, because yeah. it was just – one of our cats kind of reminds me of Grumpy Cat, you know, because she just always looks unhappy. Grumpy, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you know, so I was, I was actually a little, a little verklempt when, uh, when I heard the that she had passed, because again, she wasn't, you yeah, know, she wasn't that old. She no. wasn't that old. So again, it was dwarfism that gave her that that scowl and stuff. But again, she wasn't really as grumpy, you know. And there was a cute little meme of of her going around, you know, going to heaven and, you know, Saint, see that one. Yeah. And St. Peter's, you know, says, come on, it's time to go. And says, was I good? You know, were my memes good? He says, no, they were the best. So it was, it was touching. It was sweet. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of sweet. Uh, well, okay. That's sad. <laughs> that was sad. Moving right along. We had a rather slow week uh, in entertainment news, aside from the multitude of passings that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one story I think that stuck out at us was a Dark Knight or a Batman story. I'll let you let you introduce us to that one. Sure. Yeah. So it uh, it came out that uh, Robert Pattinson, Twilight and Harry Potter fame. Um, had been tapped to play the Batman. Um, I believe it's Matt Reeves who is uh, doing this new uh, version for Warner Brothers. So he's going from sex symbol to bat symbol. Basically, he's still kind of in negotiations. They haven't a hundred. It sounded like it wasn't like a hundred percent done deal. It was kind of like, hey, this is where we're going. And from what I uh, was looking up, the the script isn't even 
done yet. Like, they don't even know who the villains are. They're kind of going back and forth. Different celebrities have actually come out and said, hey, I'd be interested in being, you know, in your movie. Put, you know, put me in it. Um, so is this supposed to be a continuation of the existing ones that tie into Justice League? or They didn't really say from from what I was you know, trying to to look up, it it didn't sound you know what they were what they were doing. It it kind of sounded like you know whoever was doing the the latest Batman's with Ben Affleck and um, you know Justice Leagues. It was kind of like, hey, I'm gonna get to pick my own person now. So it didn't really. So I'm not sure where is he younger you know because he is he's in his 30s where everybody else you know has well, the Ben Affleck series is set where he's basically reaching that retirement age right so know? is this kind of like a prequel of everything or you know are we starting back again is he you know like where does it this you know I have to say this is the one superhero character that has <laughs> the biggest identity crisis in the movies <laughs> Um, and and honestly, it really does DC a disservice to have a complete lack of continuity to this character. It's a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's one of the most relatable characters in comics, next to someone like a Spider Man. Right. Which again, that's another one that has an identity crisis. Yeah. But that one's understandable because you're trying to capture a, a certain age. Mm-hmm. That this character is in. This character never really ages beyond that point. Right. In most so of the when the actor becomes a certain age, you have to right, bring right. him back down and, but, and redo it. You know, I mean, how many people have played Batman at this point in mm-hmm. time? You know, it's it's almost a meme in and of itself. Right. And from like I said, it's not a done deal yet. The script is still you know being written, but yet they're thinking it's going to hit theaters June of twenty twenty one. So they, they kind I, of already have a date, but it's... I hope to God it's not another Origins movie, because if I get to see a Batman's <laughs> parents die another way, it just, you know... And, and does this tie in with, you know, Gotham the series at all? I don't know. And, and they're hoping that, I guess, this version of it will be done right because of the disappointments of Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. So I guess maybe kind of a reset? Well, I, I don't know. You I don't know, know what? what if, if, they, if DC wants the movie done right, they should just turn it over to Marvel and let Marvel <laughs> do the movie for them. Because DC can't produce a decent movie the same yeah, way. So, Wonder know. Woman aside, yeah. Yeah, they Wonder Woman produced... was really the, the last one that they... Every other movie that I've gone to see in a theater from D.C., I've walked out wanting my money back. Right. And, you know, most of them you haven't even gone to go see just on principle. Yeah. Not not good. TV shows, I'll I'll give them. They're they're Mm -hmm. pretty good with their TV TV shows. They're definitely good with. So, you know, so we'll see what they they come up with. Okay. So we move on to our insightful picks of the week. And as always, my dear, I defer to you. So I'm going back to Netflix. Well, that's good. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> that's weeks, a good sign. Maybe we'll drop the prices again. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so this happened to be a movie uh, that came up on my, my feed of, uh, hey, this is available. Would you like to watch it? Uh, called Wine Country. Uh, so it's an American comedy that's produced and directed by Amy Poehler of 
SNL fame. Um, and it is her uh, feature dic- dictatorial, directorial. <laughs> I'm still tired. Uh, she may debut. have been a dictator when she was directing <laughs> yeah. it. I don't know. You never know. Uh, and basically stars a whole bunch of people that you'll recognize from SNL, like Maya Rudolph and Rachel Dredd and Anna Gasteyer um, and Tina Fey. And then a couple of other people um, uh, that, uh, like Paula Pell, who was actually a writer for SNL for a number of years. So basically, hey, let's get our gal pals together um, and and do a movie. It's like that Captain Marvel scene at the end of Endgame where it's all the girl power, right? Right, it's all the girl power. So the plot basically follows that a group of middle-aged women decide to go on a wine-tasting tour in California. Um, It was actually released in theaters uh, on May 8th and then started streaming on May 10th uh, in Netflix. Guess they're trying to get an award for this one, huh? (laughs) I don't know, maybe, since that's what, you know, Netflix uh, has to do. Um, But it, it, you know, basically they all were working in a a pizza place uh, in the 80s and kind of grew up and, and went their separate ways but always kept in contact and all lived throughout the country and one of the the group is turning 50 so they decide hey let's get together because we haven't been together in ages and kind of go through and you know each woman is kind of going through their own crisis you know that they don't want to necessarily bring out to the rest of the group but yet You know, there's a lot of funny scenes and some serious scenes, you know, as well. Um, Jason Schwartzman plays the sort of the the house, the house boy. (laughs) The one scene that that you, you know, you were when you were watching some of it with me. He's making paella in this big, giant, I don't even know what, it's not even a pan. It's this, you know, like three foot by five foot thing. And he's using an oar. You know, from a boat (laughs) to stir it because, you know, he's kind of like the quirky tour guide, uh, you know, of the group and stuff. So it it was definitely cute. It was one of those, you know, sit down, have a glass of wine and, you know, just kind of laugh, not think. It was a a cute movie. I sat in for Mm -hmm, for for some of it it there and, you know, some of the things, you know, they were there were some really funny scenes. Mm -hmm. But what I thought was was neat about it was it was very it was a common comfortable sort of funny like if you were put in a situation like this you'd react the same way with right. that joke you right. know that's right. sort of thing yeah yeah you know there was a whole scene um you know in an art gallery with a whole bunch of millennials yeah. you know and they thought it was performance art and they're like no we're just being ourselves and you know so yeah. so kind of being at that age where I'm not the millennial but I'm not you know in the 50s yet you know, I could definitely relate to, yeah. to everything. So it was it was a cute movie. So very cute enjoyed movie. it. Very good pick. Thank you. So for my pick, I'm going to dig deep for this one. <gasps> uh, I'm going to pull a dun, 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 dun. television show by no means is new. Uh, no, it sure isn't. It's in its 24th season. Really? I didn't even think it uh, was around that. They do a lot of seasons <laughs> within a, a year. year. I was okay. gonna say. So it started. So it was airing. back in the seventies. No, <laughs> it started airing in two thousand eleven. Oh, They're wow. on season twenty four. They've got over a hundred and seventy episodes under their belt already. This is a show that airs on Travel Channel, hosted by Don Wildman. It is called Mysteries at the Museum. 
I'll just read what the teaser for the for the show is. It's the extraordinary, often bizarre treasures housed in America's museums represent wondrous chapters in history, but a physical display can tell only part of their story. Behind each artifact are amazing tales and secrets to be revealed. Tales sometimes brimming with scandal, mystery, murder, and intrigue. In Mysteries at the Museum, presenter Don Wildman visits a wide variety of museums across the United States, taking viewers on a sometimes shocking tour of America's past by re-examining what's been left behind. Interviews, archival footage, and reenactments bring to life the artifacts' enduring mysteries, some that have never been told before on television. So what they do is they travel around, Mm -hmm. they go to different museums, and it's always kind of a personal highlight when they go to a museum near us that we've been to. Right. We're like, oh, my God, they're in Philadelphia. Oh, my God, they're in someplace in New Jersey. And and that's the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. they go to really obscure museums. Like, they went to a book museum in a local town here. Right. That, like, no one else in the world has heard of this town, let alone know. Like, I didn't even know the museum exists. Right, right. It's all those different museums that, you know, when you drive around and you see blah, 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 you know, some sign for it, and you're like, well, what's that? They yeah, go there and find. You know, local historical societies. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, paranormal museums. But they go to major ones, like the Franklin mm-hmm. Institute mm-hmm. and Metropol- the New York Metropolitan, you know. Right, right. So they don't discriminate in where they Mm-mm. go. The one thing that I find <laughs> that we kind of funny that we laugh about a lot is they'll tell you this long, drawn out, detailed story that's historically accurate and incredibly interesting, but literally has nothing to do with the item that they're highlighting. Right. Other than that whole story relates to somebody used a spoon that was like this. Right. <laughs> that's what that's what's always funny. We almost make it a not that we you know, we've done it, but we've almost made it like a drinking game. Yeah. Like, okay, is it going to be related? No, drink. And the and the <laughs> other thing that I love about it is they do do a lot of reenactments. <laughs> and it seems like they go out of their way to find actors that look nothing like the subjects. Right, right. That they're portraying. Yeah, yeah. Because what you'll see is you'll see like a, a picture or a historical record of the person. Then they'll show the reenactment. Right. And it's like you couldn't ask for someone to look any more different. Right. Than and wasn't there one recently that we were watching where it was something where the computer or something was supposed to be from like the 1970s. And it was obvious that it was like a more modern. Yeah, it was like a police. They were at a police station or something like right, that. Right, and, and it was, was like the monitor that was on there. You're and like, mm. it was like the 19 early 1990s, and the monitor that they had there was a flat screen monitor, which right. they didn't have at the time. Right, right, and I'm sure so, there's other things that they've done like that that we just didn't catch, but that was one recently that kind of made us laugh. So the reenactments aren't necessarily accurate. They're <laughs> right. there to tell the story. Right. But the historical, and this is what I like about mm-hmm. it, and the thing that I really wanted to highlight, the historical accuracy of these uh, you know, portrayals mm-hmm. and background on these objects is spot on and like incredibly in-depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they explore, like, are, you may know the existence of an artifact or a battle that it appeared in, mm-hmm. but they go deeper than that. And they go to a level that most people... Never want to know about. Right. But they draw you in with such a good storytelling mm-hmm. method. Right. That you walk away saying, oh, my God, like, that's really neat. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, the one thing that I had told you about was mm-hmm. the origins of Pilates. Right. <laughs> you know, and they tell you the whole story behind it and how it originated in a prison camp during World War One from a German prisoner of war who was watching cats and he was an acrobat and wanted to learn how to uh, maintain his physique and stuff. And they go into details and... And it happened to be, I think, a little advertisement in a newspaper clipping that mm-hmm. they were showing off at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it was it's amazing the level of detail they can go to with something that's seemingly obscure right, and right. sitting in a museum. And a lot of times it's stuff that's not even on display. It's sitting in right, the archive sitting somewhere. Right, sitting in the archive, yeah, yeah. So I give them full props for mm-hmm. their research department for everything oh, that they definitely, do. Oh, definitely, definitely. So Mysteries at the Museum airs on Travel Channel. Check your local times and listings for them available. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all we have today. I think that is it. I think that was the podcast. And... Um, See you all next week with another great podcast. Okay.